You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Rolling into week number five of the college football season. Great games on tap in just about an hour. Coupled with a great battle in back, Blacksburg, number two, Clemson, number 12, Virginia Tech. We broke it down for you, but Rich and I over the last couple of weeks now have been talking about an effort here at Fantasy Sports that's very close to the both of us. It is DKMS, partnered with the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Does have to do with blood uh, disorders and blood cancers. I said that I did suffer from the disease back in 2001 along with my father, Rich, but we're doing great things here at Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have a free fantasy game that people can join and win Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, I mean, it's the best of both worlds. It's an opportunity to help a great cause. DKMS is committed to deleting blood cancer with the help of bone marrow donations. So they're encouraging individuals to go to the website, play the free fantasy game. If you win a weekly game, you're going to be put into a contest at the end of the season to win those Super Bowl tickets, Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis. So great fun, great cause. Joe, give them the... Uh... Yeah, the information, if you want to join, you can go on dailyroto.com backslash DKMS or go to rotoexperts.com backslash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com backslash DKMS, rotoexperts.com backslash DKMS or call 844-843-6879. 844-843-6879. Join up today and uh, hopefully you'll win some Super Bowl tickets and bring great awareness to blood donors throughout the country. And the game is free as well. Yeah, it's, it's free great. to play. Play against your friends. Invite your friends to play as well. Rich and I are going to have a free game a little bit later today. We're going to we're going to be talking about Vanderbilt in uh, Florida in about an hour from now. We'll be sit- sitting down having a cup of coffee, but couple we brought up USC and Washington in that battle uh, Washington State last night and I brought up the fact about how USC can really needs a lot of people to lose now like teams like Clemson teams like Alabama I can't if you're see, talking playoffs you you're not I'm, talking Pac-12 no race. I'm not talking Pac-12 right. I'm okay. talking the big kahuna I'm talking yeah. you know what USC fans and Sam Darnold fans were banking on in August and July this team now, where do they regroup? I mean, Clay Helton now, I mean, this is what they did last year. One and three, they ran the table. Where do they go from here, Rich? I, I think you can't look too far ahead. I mean, any coach is going to tell you that. USC is going to have to focus on a week-to-week basis. Let's start with small goals. Let's let's repeat. Uh, let's, let, let, let's get to the Pac-12 championship game. Let's win the South Division. I was going to say repeat. It was Colorado <laughs> last year, so forgive me for that. Um, but let's win the South Division. Let's take another crack at a Washington or a Washington State. Let's focus on those goals right now. Playoff will take care of itself, but they're going to have to win out. One more loss and they're out of the playoff And race. you bring up a team like Oklahoma State, too. I mean, we've seen it where they can get back into the mix. They need, like, TCU. They need Oklahoma that has some tough ball games. You can't count on a team in West Virginia with Will Greer that hasn't made it through Big 12 play as being a possible contender as well. So anything can happen in the months of October and November. That's why we love this great game. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other top 25 games, Florida State and Wake Forest on tap. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Great matchup taking place in Lubbock later today. Big 12 clash, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Can the Cowboys rebound over the Red Raiders this game last year? 45-44. to Oklahoma State now has won eight straight over Texas Tech. The last five have been decided by a total of 16 points per game. Rich, when you look at Cliff Kingsbury and Texas Tech as a whole, the last three years in Big 12 play... 9 and 18 or 333 winning percentage. Is he on the hot seat? I, I think he began the season on the hot seat, but I, I think I mentioned it to you when we did our Big 12 preview in the summer. Listen, he hasn't been great. He got off to a fast start in year one, hasn't been able to, to live up to expectations. But when you're Texas Tech, when you're Lubbock, when you're maybe fifth or sixth in the pecking order in Texas, are you going to do better? Than Cliff Kingsbury. I think he brings some cachet. He's still young. He's still developing. I think he'll continue to recruit well and at least build offensive attacks that turn the turnstiles, you know, in Lubbock. So I, I don't think you're going to do better. Let me give you my take on this game. I'm not buying Texas Tech yet, but I have to respect what they've done in the past two weekends. They beat Arizona State, a mid-level Pac-12 team, and then they go into Houston and snap the Cougars' 16-game home winning streak. So I think it's time for us to at least pay attention to Texas Tech. Nick Shimonic has been you know, doing what quarterbacks do in Lubbock. He's been putting up big numbers. Uh, Kiki QT, the, the wide receiver, is now the, the new target that the new playmaker uh, for the Red Raiders, but defensively holding Houston to 24 points, you know, Dakota Allen, Jordan Brooks at linebacker, they're actually making stops. So I think Texas Tech against an Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma State team that is bruised and battered physically and psychologically, the offensive line has problems. I think this game could be close in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it could be because Lubbock is a tough place to play. Now, two years ago, I watched this game. Texas Tech jumped out to a 17 to nothing lead before J.W. Walsh, the former Oklahoma State quarterback, came in. He made plays with his legs, and then James Washington and the offense took over in the fourth quarter, took the top off the defense last year in Stillwater, Patrick Mahomes made a ton of plays with his legs to keep plays alive and put his team in a position to win that ball game. I'm not sold that Shimanek is that type of quarterback. He's more of a system guy. And when you look at the wide receivers of Oklahoma State, Washington, McCleskey, Stoner, Aitman, 68 total receptions between that group, 12 receiving touchdowns. I'm still all in with Mason Rudolph. I still think this team could creep into the playoff picture. I mean, they have to run the table, but they have games against West Virginia and Will Greer. They have to face Baker Mayfield. They have the Big 12 championship game. Should they get there, 
This is a team that's averaging 405 passing yards per game, and they're running the rock for 175 on the ground with Justice Hill. I'll take my chances. They've won eight straight. I think they win this ball game by 17 points or more. Two things to today. keep in mind. What changed for me last week is uh, I, I think Oklahoma State got exposed defensively. They had all kinds of problems against Kenny Hill, TCU's running back Darius Anderson. So a defense that I thought was making progress regressed last week against the Horned Frogs. And I'll I'll bring it up again. I'm a big trenches guy. The offensive line, the right side of that line, now has two new starters because of injuries, and that hurt Oklahoma State last week. I'm not all in on Texas Tech. I am curious to see how much they've improved. But when you have that built-in passing attack, when you have a David Gibbs defense that likes to dial up pressure, he'll pin his ears back, his kids will attack against an offensive line that is hurting, now has depth issues. I think this is a four-quarter game. If if I can get 10 points with a Texas Tech at home, I think Oklahoma State wins. I still think they're a very good football team, but I'm going to take the points. I'm going to roll the dice with the Red Raiders tonight. It's going to look great on the screen. I love Lubbock. I, lo- I really yeah. do love Lubbock. I mean, going back to the days of Cliff Kingsbury and the original Ricky Williams, Aaron Hunt, the defensive end there. I mean, those were the days when Mike Leach, prior to the, you know him moving on to Washington State, that's what I remember in terms of Red Raider Michael football. Michael Crabtree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, this, yeah. even before I'm yeah. showing my age there with Cliff Kingsbury and Aaron Hunt. But uh, again, I think when you look at Oklahoma State as a whole, I, I, again, they have forced turnovers in the past. And when you look at David Gibbs's defense, the MO, the biggest change for Texas Tech this year has been run support, holding opposing offenses to 130 rushing yards on the ground. Over the last few years prior to that, they've been in the area 246, 270. I mean, they were getting worn out by bigger physical offensive lines. If they can stop people in run support, with their offense, they could be a contender. But now, does the consistency continue within Big 12 plays? the main question. I think that's what makes it such an interesting game. You know, it, it's not as if Texas Tech has been living off of Southland Conference opponents or Conference USA opponents. You know, Arizona State, I'm, I'm not going to oversell Arizona State, but that is a... You know, it's an average Pac-12 opponent. They and they beat start a power fast five traditionally yeah. for the most part and over the last couple I, of years. I really woke up to at least pay more attention to Texas Tech when they went into Houston. I think a lot of us on this show really liked Houston last week against Texas Tech. Who's a, it's just me and you. Well, I, Gabe. I, <laughs> oh, I, Gabe. I, I think did Gabe. Did he like him? I, don't I, know. I thought he did. He well, might have. He might have. But Houston, you I think right. the thoughts in my the, mind were telling me to like Houston. There's, there's tons of us over <laughs> All here. of my personalities well, exactly. loved Houston me, last other, week. My yeah. left side on my right side. Yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> loved the Cougars. I, I woke up to Texas Tech. I think to go into Houston and snap that 16-game home winning streak of the Cougars and Major Applewhite was impressive to me. I think they're gaining some confidence. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time looking at Shimanek right. and the passing game tonight and, and Mason Rudolph, but Dakota Allen, a junior college transfer, has been making plays all over the field for the Texas Tech defense. He's the kind of linebacker that David Gibbs likes. So I think this is an entertaining shootout. Uh, Give me the 10 points. I'll take Texas Tech. And what's interesting, you brought up how they are in run support and that road win over Houston, the physicality. They held Duke Catalan and that offensive line in check. I mean, and from an offensive line perspective, they protected Ed Oliver from getting to Shimanek in terms of pass protection. So they were able to make plays. And Houston, you said it, over the last couple of years now, 
now under Tom Herman, now with Major Applewhite, one of the best teams at home to break that string it is a solid effort for Cliff Kingsbury and that group as they make their way later tonight. It's going to be a crazy. It They'll should probably be all again. black yeah. wearing uniforms. Yep. Mason Rudolph will be with the Cowboys, be wearing the orange pants. Yep. It's going to look fantastic. If Guns you're a college up. football, Guns will be up if tonight you're a college Lubbock. football fan, you have to really grade the games as well. How they look on the screen, because that's a major aspect. Be how I grade the games from top to bottom uh, on top of the rankings that a lot of other people don't do uh, each and every Saturday. But we'll turn our attention to Florida State and Wake Forest. Florida State's won five straight over the Demon Deacons by 33 points per game, Rich. Last two games have been very close. Last year in Tallahassee, 17-6. to This is a Wake Forest team that escaped Appalachian State 20-19, to but they are 4-0, and it is an ACC opponent. Florida State starting 0-2 for the first time since Bobby Bowden, 1989. You know what this reminds me of? I mean, it's a bit of an apples and oranges comparison. It reminds me a little bit of last week's game between Alabama and Vanderbilt. Now, you know, Florida State is not Alabama. And Vanderbilt is kind of like Wake Forest. But it's a similar type of a game in which I, I think the, the overall speed, physicality, and the talent of Florida State, now that they're 0-2, yeah, they could be looking ahead to Miami next week. But James Blackman now has a game under his belt. Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher does a tremendous job of coaching up young quarterbacks. I think we'll see a more efficient, more confident James Blackman after the tough outing last week against NC State. Now, I like Wake Forest. I love what Dave Clawson has done, and they have some defensive talent. Zeke Rodney, the defensive tackle, having a great month of September. Duke four off the edge is someone who's going to have to be accounted for. But I think Florida State begins to gradually regroup. I think especially on the defensive side of the ball, Joe, I think when you look at a Derek Noddy, uh, you know, at Josh Sweat, Brian Burns, Matthew Thomas in the middle, Derwin James on the back end, I think Wake Forest has a very difficult time uh, finishing drives, getting to uh, getting into the end zone. I, I think this is a game that Florida State wins by double digits, regroups, and prepares for Miami. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's the speed of Florida State on the perimeter. Look for Cam Akers to break out in this ballgame. You look at James Blackman, 57% of his completions, 278 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. But look for Jimbo Fisher to have a solid offensive game plan in place. From a physicality perspective, if you watch this game in Tallahassee last year, Wake Forest brought it to the Seminoles on both the offense and defensive lines. Do not expect Florida State to take this game lightly. Yeah. I think they win this ball game as well by double digits later today. I think they have to. They I, have to. I, I, I think the there's psyche. just a sense of the urgency only, right the now. The only mindset I would say is that there is Miami on deck yeah. that game from earlier in the year. If you, When you look at this matchup, are they looking ahead to the Miami Hurricanes? That could be a factor, but I don't better think it is. Better not do it. Yeah, they, they better I don't not think do it. it is later This is today. a good, solid, physical, well coached Wake Forest team. It's a veteran Wake Forest team. If Florida State is looking ahead, they're liable to lose this game outright. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. It is a 3.30 kick a little bit later. Another intriguing battle is Ole Miss and Shea Patterson in Tuscaloosa against Nick Saban. Ole Miss has won two of the last three, but Alabama will be looking to dominate that battle. We'll catch it on the back end. When we come back, we'll be joined by former Virginia Tech quarterback Sean Glennon, Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello. Keep it where it is. Do, 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 do. 
Does your favorite fantasy sports show pair banging on the table demanding shots? Drinks on Greg. Drinks on Greg. Drinks on Greg. With deep, smart Kareem Hunt analysis? If not, then I think the fantasy BFFs are for you. Every weekday at 11 a.m. here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and on YouTube Live, join Greg Sussman, Frank Stanfield, Mike Florio, and NXT wrestler Eric Young for some of the best, most enjoyable, most imaginative fantasy analysis out there. Don't get your fantasy from boring people. No! This is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever. Check out the Fantasy BFFs 11 a.m. Eastern. 8 a.m. Pacific. Every weekday only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and the Fantasy Sports YouTube page. Huge battle taking place later tonight in Lane Stadium. Number two, Clemson. Number 12, Virginia Tech. What better way to break this game down than with a former standout for the Hokies? He's live on the Celebrity Guest Line. Want to welcome in former Virginia Tech quarterback, Sean Glennon. Sean, how are you today? What's up, man? How are you? Uh, doing well. Thanks Huge. for having me on. Oh, our pleasure. Huge battle later today uh, between the Hokies and the Clemson Tigers. What does Josh Jackson have to do in this ball game to get his team to victory a little bit later today? Well, he's got to take on the best defense in the country, in my opinion. Um, so it's a tall task for, for a freshman. Now, Josh has obviously shown that uh, he's ready for the big stage, especially in that first game against West Virginia. Um, so he's not a stranger uh, to a big environment. Um, but, you know, like I said, I don't know that he can quite be prepared based on the competition they've played th- thus far with this Clemson defense that's coming to town. Hey, Sean, talk about that environment for us. Uh, it's impossible for a fan, it's impossible for me and Joe to, to even appreciate what uh, Blacksburg is, is like for a night game. Can you, can you give us a sort of a read as to what that atmosphere will be like tonight? Electric. I don't know that there's – I know that there's stadiums bigger than Lane Stadium, and, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, I've been to places that were very loud, but I don't know that there's – any place in college football, especially pregame, like Lane Stadium in Blacksburg on a, at a night game. You know, I remember, I'm really uh, aging myself here, but in 2006, Clemson came to town uh, for a night game. They were ranked seventh in the country back when they had, like, C.J. Spiller and, and all those guys. And, um, you know, we, we we really put it to them. And, and, and the fan base and the, the noise and the energy in that stadium, I think, had a lot to do with it. So, you know, Clemson is no stranger to it. I know Death Valley can get loud and, and, and live, but, the, the, you know, their quarterback, Kelly Bryant, I don't know that he's played in an atmosphere like this yet. And that's where I want to go, Sean, when you look at the defensive side of the ball, defensive coordinator Bud Foster. I mean, he's done a fantastic job in turning around that defense from a couple of years ago. Uh, in 2015, they allowed around 184 rushing yards per game. Last year, it got down to 140. Entering this ball game, only allowing opposing offenses 108 rushing yards per game. I really feel like third downs will be critical. Whichever team can win the third down battle will win this ball game. But what does Bud Foster have to do to contain Kelly Bryan and that offense later tonight? Well, you know, I've been praising the Clemson defense, but obviously the Clemson offense has a lot of 
firepower and, and a lot of athleticism on it. And, and Kelly Bryan has shown he's up for the challenge and, and taking over for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think a lot of people were skeptical that this offense would be as, as potent and as effective without Deshaun Watson and some of the other losses they have. But they haven't seen the slowdown much. Uh, Bud Foster's got a task ahead of him, but we've seen Coach Foster rise to the occasion many times, and he's got a great defense this year. You know, I, I personally know a uh, one of the defensive coaches at Tech, and he was telling me that this secondary and this linebacking crew and the Edmonds brothers and Adonis Alexander and all these guys we've got, I mean, these could be really top NFL draft picks. So I think this is probably the most talent that Coach Foster's had in, in many years, and I expect this to be a, a, a game where – points aren't necessarily going to be that easy to come by. Sean, what have you learned about Josh Jackson? He's a young kid. We haven't really seen him much uh, outside of this month, but he's also a coach's kid. Have you gotten the sense that he has some of the intangible, some of the cerebral side of, uh, of the position? Absolutely. You can tell he's a coach's kid in just the way he handled himself well this whole season, but really in that West Virginia game. You know, things weren't he, – he was playing a little bit like a freshman that first half and and uh, on the stage he was on you know you probably couldn't have, couldn't blame him but he came back that second half and he looked like a veteran and he he rallied the troops he was the one that made the plays that I think were really the difference in that ball game and and yeah he hasn't faced stiff competition since then but the one thing he's done that freshmen don't always do is take care of the ball you know he's what 11 to 1 touchdown interception and and that says a lot about him and uh, what they're going to need to do tonight. You mentioned their down battle should be huge, but obviously as it is in every game, but especially in this one with two really high-level defenses, the turnover battle could really be the difference. Sean, talk a little bit about leading wide receiver Cam Phillips. He leads that team with 34 receptions, five receiving touchdowns. I mean, what have you seen out of him taking over for Isaiah Ford that he can bring into this matchup later tonight against that Clemson secondary? Well, you said it. You know, losing Isaiah Ford, losing Bucky Hodges. You know, this uh, this, this team looked like it might lack playmakers, and Cam Phillips was kind of forgotten third wheel when it came to those two. But my God, has he taken over that starting role and ran with it? I think he what he's fourth or fifth in the country in receiving, and you know, every opposing defense knows he's the one that they're looking for, and they still haven't been able to stop him. So. Uh, as I keep repeating myself, I'm sure you're going to be facing a little bit tougher task in that tonight. But you know, if Clemson wants to, Clemson wants to blitz and bring pressure like they do a lot. You know, they're going to have to rely on their corner and play him one on one, and that's that's going to be no easy no easy task. Sean, one thing that stood out for me, having watched a lot of Virginia Tech football in recent years, is you know O line play has been inconsistent, but I've really been impressed. Uh, I I expected Wyatt Teller to be good. But looking at Kyle Chung, Yosua Nijman, those are players that have really stepped to the forefront. Have you been impressed by the O-line play so far in the month of September? I have. It was, it was something that was on my radar going into the season. Is you know, I think the two biggest question marks on the on the Hokie team were, were quarterback. How is Josh Jackson going to place, replace Gerard Evans? And how is this offensive line going to fare? Because they were very spotty last year. You know, the games that Virginia Tech won. And, and, and that they're effective or were the games that they could run the ball. And the games that they struggled or lost were the games that the running game just got shut down just because the offensive line was not creating blocking space, was not creating holes, not protecting the quarterback. And, and again, um, they haven't faced the top defenses in the country, but thus far 
The running game's been effective. Josh Jackson has not been under much duress. They seem to have really stepped up, and you know that hats off to those players and the coaching staff for really turning that around because it was a weakness at times last year. Sean, how important is it to get Josh Jackson into a rhythm and by doing that, maybe utilizing the, the short to intermediate passing game or even the screen game to neutralize that front seven of Clemson later tonight? Got to do whatever we can to slow down that pass rush. Obviously, Clemson's going to be their most dangerous when they can pin their ears back, uh, you know, drop seven in coverage and just let those defensive ends come off the edge hot. Um, but moving the pocket, screens, draws, anything we can do to make them hesitate in that all-out pass rush or hesitate in, in, in those blitz packages is going to create the breathing room we need to be ahead of the chains. You know, second and six, third and three. These are things that uh, situations we have to be in because the second and nines, the third and sevens are really where Clemson excels. I mean, their third down conversion rate, I, I don't know the percentage, but I believe they're top three in the country. Sean, I'm always curious about uh, alums of a school. What 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 is your viewing ritual like? How will you watch tonight's game? It's such a <laughs> probably maybe the biggest one we've seen in years for uh, for Virginia Tech. In my basement on my couch, um, I'll put my little girl to bed and and make sure that uh, I've got a beer in hand and and uh, the the volume turned up and I'm I'm clued in. I'm not a big guy into you know when. Virginia Tech's playing or when my brother's playing. I don't want to talk to people. I don't, I don't like having 100 people over because I like to be dialed in and really uh, the, the inner quarterback come out of me and, and trying to uh, look at the defense and what they're doing and strategize and kind of predict play calling and things like that. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to that. So I, I like uh, solidarity when I'm watching these games. Sean, great insight and information from a big-time player in Blacksburg. We hope you enjoyed it today. We'd love to get you on a little bit later in the year if uh, possibly Virginia Tech is back in the ACC championship game. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you having me, and go Hokies. Former Virginia Tech quarterback Sean Glennon, big-time player for the program. And, again, you know what's great is that we had a quarterback on, and you get to see the game through his eyes, how he would attack the Clemson defense. And that's what I love because he said they're going to have to neutralize the pass rush. Now, Clemson does have 17 sacks entering this ballgame, but 11 came in that game game against Auburn. So since that time, only six sacks through three games. That's two per game, not as dominant as the the four games, 17 total sacks. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask about the offensive line because it's been, you know, the same thing with like a Washington. Until Washington won the Pac-12 title last year, they had these perennial issues up front, the inability to protect the pocket, to create daylight for the running backs, and that's been the case for Virginia Tech. I mean, it's been a long time since Virginia Tech has been able to dominate the line of scrimmage, spring those running backs, protect the quarterbacks. But this year, I think they have the potential. They have the building blocks to have one of the better offensive lines in the ACC, and they're going to have to step up and prove it tonight because if Christian you know, and, and Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Austin Bryant, if they're in the face of a young quarterback like Josh Jackson – that's when the turnovers could happen and the entire tempo of the game could change. Well, the one coach that I think will match up to the task, now I'm not picking Virginia Tech to win the battle, is Justin Fuente. His ability to utilize formations and get his playmakers out in space to create one-on-one matchups will be critical in this ballgame. You look at the the past years under Frank Beamer, they didn't have that offensive ingenuity, especially in the red zone, and that's where I feel Justin Fuente should have some success against this 
this Clemson Tiger defense later today. Joe, it's never easy to replace a legend. And Frank Beamer, obviously a legend in Blacksburg. But in just over a year, Justin Fuente has done a remarkable job of not just winning football games, but altering the culture and the expectations for the Hokies. So kudos to Justin Fuente. And a big part of that was retaining Bud Foster because we see a lot of new coaches come in and want their type of guys. He kept Bud Foster, and now the defense is starting to come around and pay dividends. We'll see if they step up a little bit later today in Lane Stadium, 8 o'clock kick. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. Get Gabe's best bets for the weekend. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jeff. Look, I'm just a skeleton. I don't have an ACL anymore, but I still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his. That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me, a skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing. Download the free app today and unlock the secrets of injury analysis. Huge game taking place later tonight on the Plains in Auburn. Miss State and Nikki Fitzgerald taking on Jared Stidham in Auburn. Let's break it down with Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. Gabe, we're differing of opinions here. I love Miss State over Auburn later today. Rich is all over the Tigers. How do you see this game playing out at 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight? Well, once again, uh, guys, uh, this segment brought to you by uh, from the people from PETA because I'm going with the dogs uh, here. I just think it's too many points. I'm a big Jared Stidham fan. I like this kid as a quarterback. I'm a big Gus Malzahn fan. But I think, you know, it's an interesting uh, contrast here. I mean, Auburn are one of the best uh, run-stop uh, units in the country, taking on uh, Mississippi State. Uh, but I think Mississippi State can hang. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction uh, from last week as well. I'm a big Mullen fan. I think you can get these kids uh, back in, dialed in once again. I hate to repeat myself, but Mississippi State didn't think they were winning the national championship. Teams teams that expect to lose a couple of games can shake it off a lot easier than a team whose season uh, just you know crumbled in front of their eyes. I think this game comes down to the wire, guys. I think we're going to have a thrilling, fun football game tonight. And, you know, it's funny. Um, it's not a marquee Saturday, per se. You know, we've got Clemson on the board tonight and, and on primetime national television. It's a big football game. Uh, but I cover MMA, guys. And the UFC, it's the same thing. You put a bunch of stars on a UFC card, put it in Vegas, and the celebrities are there. It's a boring card. Nothing happens. You know, you go to Australia and the card's on at 6 in the morning and everybody complains about it. I never heard of these fighters. Oh, I'm not watching this. And you miss the fights of the year. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of crazy stuff uh, today and a lot of dramatic uh, endings. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is uh, one of them. I like the Mississippi State Bulldogs plus the points in this football game. Gabe, uh, Joe and I rarely agree, quite frankly, on anything, (laughs) football or otherwise. But we we both agree that Colorado is a very live underdog against a UCLA team that can't stop anybody. Uh, Can we get the trifecta here? I mean, do you like the buffs as well? You know what? Ding, 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 ding. We will. Uh, We have a consensus, which means right now, if you're watching at home, uh, lay the farm on UCLA. (laughs) (laughs) 
if all three of us like the Buffaloes, you know, just put it all in. Last week, it's funny, ESPN, there was like 12 panelists. They all picked uh, the, the Broncos over the Bills, and the Bills had some fun with that. Uh, but once again, you know, we saw Colorado uh, in a big spot, and they were unable to answer the bell uh, earlier in the year on their home field. And I think uh, people remember that. Uh, you know, people, we talk about it, people have a short attention span. UCLA, to me, as you guys uh, talked about, that defense doesn't have business like points against anybody. It's going to be a fun game. I'd like to take the over in this game. If you notice, I'm a big uh, total better, but I don't see a lot of total spots today. I see a few. I like the Stanford ASU game to, get, to go over, but we'll get to that in a second. But I think we got a track meet here, guys. Both teams get into the 30s. Whoever has the ball last wins. I think Colorado athletically match up very well uh, with UCLA. I'll take the plus touchdown in this football game. Uh, Gabe, I, I almost called you Rich. I apologize. In uh, 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 a battle in the SEC between Alabama, Ole Miss, Ole Miss won two of the last three over Alabama. Alabama's dominated the SEC competition last year. They were nine and zero and won those games by twenty four point eight points per game. I like Alabama to dominate this matchup. I, I don't know. I can't see Shea Patterson in the group keeping this game close. Twenty eight points. I tell you what, betting against Alabama in conference play is like uh, standing in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square. It doesn't end well, and I don't. I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to do it. You know, we, we we tend to get too cute in this business and say, you know, maybe you know they're they're five and zero against the spread when getting more than this amount of points and all that other stuff. The only thing is, Bama really flexed their muscles last week. I'm not overly sold on this uh, this Mississippi team. I was on Cal a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when, when Ole Miss uh, went in there and were laying the points. I think they're going to get overwhelmed. It's a tough game to bet on. When you're laying 28 points. They could win by 26. They could win by 30. I'm going to stay away from this football game, but if I had to bet it, roll tide, I'd lay the points. Gable, okay, let's go over to the Pac-12. Some good late games. Uh, Cal at Oregon, Northern Illinois at San Diego State, yep. Washington at Oregon State. You touched briefly on Stanford and Arizona State. I mean, is there something that catches your eye from the West Coast this evening? You know what catches my eye, and I noticed a perception here. I think a lot of these teams and the odds makers are sort of setting the uh, the numbers on reputation more so than they are on facts uh, right now. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not a big Todd Graham guy. You know, you know the way he handled his business at Pitt, and you know you go over the years. It's not the classiest individual in the game, but I got to give the guy credit. I wasn't high on ASU, but, but man, these guys can score on anybody. And we're talking about a Stanford team that's got carved up for over 1,500 yards uh, over the last three football games. Very un-Stanford-like. Yet now suddenly the Stanford offense is going crazy. I think we got a high-scoring game here, and you know it's a leap of faith, guys. Can I really take Arizona State on the road? a finesse, flaky team against a fundamental, rock-solid team. We saw Stanford lay, lay, lay the wood last week. I'm going to stay away from the point spread. I'm tempted to take Arizona State here. I will get to Cal in a second, and I will be taking Cal plus the points. I'm tempted to take ASU, but i got to remember they can get overwhelmed. But I tell you what, the total's way too low here, guys. You know, I, Anyone going to be shocked if Stanford puts up 45 in this game? You're going to be shocked if they put up 50 in this game? I'm not. You know, ASU is going to get be able to get into the high 20s, maybe into the 30s. I love the over of uh, this football game. Uh, I really do. I think the, the number's too low. It's a perception. Oh, Stanford, a defensive-based team. No, they're getting carved up, and they just put 58 points up on the board. And another thing, too, we're at the time of year now in college where the offense is going to click the most. That's why I love that over in the Texas Tech uh, game tonight. 
uh, with Oklahoma State. I think they're going to get into the hundreds or at least into the, the high 90s. But I think we have another track meet game here. I love the over of this Arizona State and Stanford game. And I'm really liking what Cal's doing, guys. Man, I'm really liking the the the, the positivity, the atmosphere, uh, the play calling, um, everything about it. Just a fun team right now. You can tell when the kids are having fun. And I know, I think we over, we forget about this. It's supposed to be fun. We're supposed, you and I are supposed to be having fun. Uh, the kids are supposed to be having fun. The fans, the bands, it's supposed to be a fun business. And Cal, you can just tell these kids are having fun out there. They're playing with house money. And I don't see how you can lay points with the Oregon Ducks, this type of points. I got to take the Cal Golden Bears in this spot. Uh, plus the points. I think they can trade points with the Ducks. And I like the over of that football game as well. Gabe, it wouldn't be a college football show unless we're talking about Notre Dame coming off back-to-back dominating road wins yes. over Boston College and Michigan State. They now face MAC opponent Miami of Ohio and their quarterback Gus Raglan. I think Miami O can be in this game from start to finish. In the end, though, I think Notre Dame gets a 14-point victory later today. You know what? I wish I had some props. Next week, I'll put some props, guys. You know, I have a fork in front of me, but it's not a knife. <laughs> I, like to have, I like to have a sharp, a knife, and a box, square. Because it's exactly what this is right now. I haven't spoken to a handicapper all week, guys. Uh, guys, you know, I respect you a lot, uh, Joe. I know you think uh, Miami hangs around. Mark Lawrence, playbook, one of the best in the business. Thinks uh, Miami can hang around. Uh, a lot of the, the sites online think Miami can hang around. I don't see it. I don't see it. We can talk about a letdown for Notre Dame. I don't think Brian Kelly's letting down anywhere, guys. You know, they've been on Brian Kelly. He's he's still in the hot seat. He is and he isn't. He's not getting fired. I get it. Uh, but things can turn fast uh, for Kelly at Notre Dame. You know, the knives come out pretty quickly. And how do you impress the boosters? How do you keep everybody happy on campus? You cover point spreads and you knock the crap out of teams. And that's what they've done. I don't understand this one. We're talking about a MAC team here, guys. A freaking MAC team. They're not playing Rutgers, okay? This isn't the best Miami-Ohio team that we've seen over the past couple of years either uh, going in here. I think it's another beating. Look what Notre Dame did to Temple. It was it 49-17. What did they do to Boston College? They beat them. Boston College, to me, is better than uh, Miami-Ohio. It's much better defense. What did they do to Michigan State? They just beat them by 20. And, you know, the only way you can make an argument for Miami-Ohio here is if Notre Dame lets down. And when, I, when you're looking at an elite program like Notre Dame has struggled over the last couple of years, and they're they're feeling it right now, they're not letting down. They've got one loss on their docket. Brian Kelly's thinking, I can still go to the playoffs if I run the table right now. It's not going to happen. But I, you know, in their mind, they're still thinking this, especially if Georgia keep winning. Hey, how does Notre Dame's loss look right now against Georgia? Not too bad. And, you know, I'm a Michigan guy. And I've never had a lot of love for the Irish over the years, let me tell you. But I think this is a good, a much better Notre Dame team than people give them credit for. You know, they just keep beating people by 21 and 28 points, and no one gives them credit. You know, it's funny. Georgia didn't get any credit for that win against Notre Dame for some reason. Like, I, I don't understand this perception. I get it. All right, Notre Dame aren't what they used to be. Uh, but I think they got some athletes, and dare I say the Irish are back right now. There's no way in hell, man, I'm taking a MAC team at South Bend today against a red-hot Irish team. I'm laying the points. Gabe, great insight and information. We love your picks. We'll see how they play out uh, in about 20 minutes uh, from today. 
Hey, let's get this, guys. May the winners be yours. I love the fact that we're all over Colorado today. I, I like that. I, I do, too. I, I, do, I disagree too. I mean, with we, him. We, I wouldn't we, go we the opposite way. We were over Clemson uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We all won. I no, mean, I, I, I think Colorado, to me, is the more blue-collar team from an offense and defensive line perspective. I'm not sold on Josh Rosen and this team as a whole. I mean, if you can't tackle... You're not going to win ball games, And when you have an arch rival like Stanford, that game was tied 13 apiece in the second quarter. They wore down. They you know, wore you know who down. UCLA is, Joe? You know who they are? They're who? Texas Tech. That's, They've that's become Texas Tech. Right. They they're have become that. a one-trick pony. They are 2016 Texas Tech. Great quarterback. Texas Tech had Patrick Mahomes. UCLA has Josh Rosen. Both you know, Mahomes was a first-round draft choice. Rosen will be a first-round draft choice. But if you can't play defense and you can't establish the running game, there is a limit to your potential. Colorado is a more complete football team. I would take the money line. I think they win this game outright. I think outright. so, too, by seven points. I mean, third-down defense for Colorado, holding opposing offenses to 29%. UCLA enters this game minus five in turnover margin. We all like the Buffaloes. That's a 10 o'clock kick. When we come back, best bets for the day, Joe and Rich, right here at Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only radio programming that is for the ears of the fantasy elite is, of course, Fantasy Freestyle with Dane Martinez. What? Are you kidding? Not my show. My show is for all the people. Bring that promo back. This is Dane Martinez, Speeds, the spitting statistician, and you can check out my show, Fantasy Freestyle, every night, Monday through Friday. I give you my top five, dead or alive. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. My starting lineup. And now, the starting lineup. And you can join the cypher with me, Speeds, the spitting statistician. Yeah, yeah. I break down every stat from every game so your fantasy teams can blow up like a Samsung 7. Catch Fantasy Freestyle every night, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back on College Football Today, Rapid Fire, Best Bets. Let's get right into it. Five minutes from kickoff. Great battle taking place 12 o'clock, Florida and Vanderbilt. I'm all in with Luke Del Rio, 5-1 and one as a starter last year. He got the victory in Lexington. Rich, 17 points or more later today. Blame it on Del Rio. <laughs> I'm taking Vanderbilt. I love the Commodores, one of my best bets. Okay, I'm all in with Georgia Tech later today. It's a 12 o'clock kick. I think the Yellow Jackets dominate a suspect North Carolina defense. I think they win by 17 points or more later today. I'm a little jealous because I hate when Joe wins and I think he's going to win going away. I, I agree with Joe. Georgia Tech easy against a fading North Carolina team. I'm not jealous. I'm a little nervous that Rich is picking my Georgia Bulldogs over me nervous about it. Too. I think this game's going to be a tough nail biter from start to finish tennessee's won the last two by a total of 10 points georgia fans be nervous i'm on the ugga train Uh, i am buying georgia big time i think if georgia gets off to a fast start tennessee's going to go downhill in a hurry i think they're a one-dimensional offense i like that dimension in john kelly 
Not enough against the Georgia defense, though. I have Georgia by double digits. Northwestern on the road in Camp Randall. 12 o'clock kicked. Both teams coming off a bye week. Clayton Thorson, Justin Jackson get back on track. A low-scoring 24-20 upset over Wisconsin later today. My metrics, which there's no science to, says there's about a 5% chance Northwestern wins outright. But I believe in Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats. I'll take the points. I just don't have the same level of confidence that you do in this game. Another intriguing battle is Iowa. 21-19 to losers. Last play of the game in Iowa City to Penn State. Go on the road to East Lansing to face Sparty. Very intriguing battle. I like Michigan State. Not a best pick for me, but you'd think Iowa dominates this One matchup. of my best bets. One of these teams has to rebound. I just think that Iowa has the more complete offense, much better defense. That defense showed up well against Penn State. I like Iowa to win this game on the road and rebound from last week's loss to Penn State. My cousin Gabe is all in with Brian Kelly and the Fighting Irish. I see a different story playing out. Notre Dame wins. Low-scoring game. They win this game by 14 to 15 in that area. I like Miami O, Gus Raglan, and more importantly, defense and run support, holding opposing offenses to 118 rushing yards on the ground. Secondary giving up 192 through the air. They're in this game from start to finish. Gabe sold me on one concept, which is Brian Kelly doesn't have the luxury of just escaping a Mac opponent. He knows style points now count in terms of his future. Notre Dame has played well against the likes of BC, blowout victory, Michigan State last week. I'll, I'll take Notre Dame and lay the points. Certainly not a best bet for me, though. Clemson on the road. You like Clemson. I think they win as well. Yeah. Not a best bet for me, but you like them. I, I think it's close, maybe going into the third quarter, late third quarter. But I think Clemson, who has been here before, I can't bet against either Clemson or Dabo Sweeney in big games. I like Clemson as one of my best bets of the uh, of the evening. The trifecta, me, you, and my cousin Gabe. Is that line is going to go down. Colorado. I think the line is going to go down in Vegas. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to knock so it down. Heavy. We're, yeah. we're, it's going to yeah. go down to three points in, in Vegas. Now. I think you Get can still now. catch it at seven. We're yeah. all over the Buffaloes. That's a Love 10 o'clock kick uh, in the Rose Bowl a little bit later today. And here's one that I'm re- I really like. I like Baylor over K-State. Zach Smith breaks out. They jump up early, put the pressure on Jesse Ertz. He's only completing 55% of his uh, passes this year. Upset by 14 points, Baylor and Matt Rule on the road. Well, you know I like the tweaky on Kansas State. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big Ertz fan, and I'm a big Bill Snyder fan. I, I think Jesse and Bill get a big victory. Uh, Baylor's close call with Oklahoma, a mirage last week. P.J. Fleck looking to stay unbeaten. Maryland comes to town. I could see Minnesota winning this ball game, but I like uh, Maryland to keep it close. You like Minnesota. Minnesota, one of my best bets. You got it. Kickoff is just about two minutes away for Rich Sermonello and our great producers, Pete and Ashley. This is Joe Lisi. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the games.